Welcome to another episode of Bound and Determined. I'm your host, Meg McKean. So confession time, this conversation almost didn't happen. The day that Nicole Corey and I were set to record, honestly, I wasn't feeling it. I hadn't slept well the night before. My other calls that day had been canceled, and I had decided that breakfast that morning should be half a pan of these delicious vegan blondies that apparently I can't resist. The link's in the show notes for the recipe. You're welcome. A nap, honestly, just sounded so much better. But if there's anyone in the world who shows up for me consistently, it's Nicole. So with my unwashed hair and questionably clean sweatshirt too, I logged onto Zoom and we hit record. I thought we'd talk about starting a business, but instead we talked about ending one. And while this conversation almost didn't happen, I am so glad that it did. Nicole Corey is the founder of California Work Comp Advocacy. She lives in Santa Cruz, but is always asked, where are you today? Because she travels often. Soccer, the beach, food, and flowy skirts are a few of her favorite things. And she believes that yoga is a way of life and not a form of exercise. And one more thing before we jump in. A loving and loyal listener, you know who you are. Let me know that I have a habit, if you will, of mixing my metaphors. And this time, when I said I was jumping off the deep end, what I meant was I'm jumping into the deep end. But you probably already knew what I meant. Tomorrow, I will be perfect, wink, wink. And until then, off we go. Nicole, you are one of the few people in the world that I can play this fun little game with, and that is where in the world is Nicole today? <laughs> and I hate to disappoint you. I am at home in Santa Cruz, California. I love it. I can see that because I recognize that Zoom background, but a lot of the listeners won't know. But one of the things that you and I have in common is a love of travel, and that is a representation of this, I'll say, Mm, for myself, maybe uncharacteristic, perhaps out of left field decision to leave a traditional nine to five and recalibrate and reevaluate what life and work and my relationship between the two can look like. And travel has been a huge gift for me that has come out of that. And I assume the same for you. Travel was a beautiful catalyst for me in changing much of my life. I knew I didn't like the direction it was going. And so I threw things up in the air and I was going to travel and figure it out on my way. And it has, I've been very fortunate to continue to be able to travel. I love being at home. I love the idea of wanting to come back home and loving my home. And then knowing that I can pick up and be somewhere else and all the joy and the warmth and the wonderful people that I meet along the way. So California's home in your mind, that is your home base. And then you, you travel out and about from there. Yes, I do. Yes. Reflecting a little, I had a home base in Chicago and then sold that and all my stuff and, and have shared little sound bites of that story along the way, but not having a home base is really where I've landed after almost three years of living this way. There isn't a place that I identify as home and it's become kind of a joke, a tongue in cheek. I've slept in hundreds of strangers' beds in garages and, I mean, not like nice garages, but converted spaces and extra bedrooms and hotels and all sorts of different environments and wasn't really sure how I would feel about 
not having a home base and what is home in this world and just thinking about my relationship to stuff and physical things and um, this notion that home is a feeling, not a place and really leaning into that. But then also thinking about the natural shifts that we go through in life as we collect more experiences and learning and growth and what happens when one season is coming to an end and another is beginning in that we like to talk about the the messy, awkward bit. And I think in many ways, you and I have connected over the years because we found ourselves in those moments in similar times. And there's such support and community that comes when you can when you can navigate some of those tricky moments, not alone. You know, you said, what is home? And that is something, you know, I, my parents got divorced when I uh, basically left for college. So I left my home and I went to college and then I came back from college. Home was this elusive term. Like, where was I going to stay? Who was I going to stay with? And so for a long time, I think I was searching for what home was and meant. And you, you touched on it. It's a feeling. It's a, it's, I think it's a home within yourself. Like where you are on the map isn't really it. And it, it's taken some time to find that. I, you know, find that routine. You know, I often say like, oh, you know, if I'm traveling, I can't get back to my yoga practice. And um, someone said to me, you take your toolbox with you. It doesn't matter where you go, you know, all that stuff, you have your routine, you have your traditions. It doesn't matter what it looks like out the window or where you are on a map, you know, you take home with you. And I think the people surrounding you um, are are part of my home now. And again, it doesn't matter uh, where I am or necessarily where they are, you know, telephones, Zoom, it, it's so easy to stay connected. And maybe there's um, home is just about connecting to yourself and to others. And, you know, one thing about travel where I do feel at home is I meet amazing new people. And there's so much wisdom and not, you know, nuggets of knowledge to be picked up and, you know, professionally just networking. So much of it is more just a personal fulfillment to me. And you can do that anywhere. Yeah. Network. You know, you don't have to be home for that. So no, you're right. And just from a professional standpoint, since I started traveling, it is wild. Very rarely when I reach out to someone and let them know that I'm going to be in their area, will they say, no, I'm too busy to meet you for a cup of coffee. It's opened up. I can't, I really can't tell you between LinkedIn and building a network there and then taking these connections in real time. I just can't tell you how many connections I've been able to build more deeply and intentionally because I've been physically present out there in the world where people are. And of course, you know, I think I say this on every episode of the podcast, not everybody has, is in the position you and I are in, has the resources that you and I have. We have different sets of obligations than many people do, and we all weigh them differently. Um, But it is fascinating purely from a, a business standpoint, a strategic standpoint, what a smart business decision it has been, though that wasn't the reason that I did it. Frankly, it was more so I could write off some mileage and, you know, a cup of coffee here and there, frankly, as a business expense while I was traveling. So I love that little aside. We're catching each other. I kind of shot you very sort of randomly some ideas. And then we decided to take a sharp left turn and and talk about something that we've not talked about on the podcast before. And yet anybody that's ever extended themselves in a way that feels different or unusual or risky 
hasn't not thought about failure. And it's something that I have thought a lot about. And when I asked you for permission to talk about it on the podcast, you said, let's go for it. And so without prompting or preparation, let's go for it. It is a a loaded um, a loaded topic, needless to say. And I'm just going to leave it there and ask you what's going on. What are, what's on your mind these days? What are you thinking about? So I will start by saying, I, I like to think I, 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 I often use the term I jumped. I jumped when I decided in 2016 to leave uh, the job that I had only known since college, 16 years for, was working for a carrier I knew that wasn't what I wanted to do the rest of my life. And I had to jump because what better way to get out of your comfort zone? (laughs) You just close your eyes and say, I'm going to do it. And then you do it. And so there have been several leaps along the way. And I started my business in January of 2020. And I don't really consider myself an entrepreneur, but it was something I knew I had to do. I had to follow my passion. I wanted to make a difference and do things a particular way that felt right to me. And with COVID, you know, happened shortly thereafter, any expectations or visions of what I thought this business would look like, flushed them down the toilet. And I've gotten to a point where that was a blessing because what if things didn't look like the way I thought they should have? What if things didn't involve the way I thought they should have? Would I have given up. And so for the first couple years, that term, I'm not ready to give up. And I am embarking on my fourth year now. And I don't think about giving up because I'm in it. But I have thought about where is this going? Where do I want it to go? Have my desires in life and professionally changed? And do I want to make a change? And so now it's about, does that mean I failed? My business failed. And I don't, you know, I've had some opportunities pass my way and it always comes down to, I'm not ready to give this up. I'm not ready to, because it would look like failure. I'm not ready to go there yet. I haven't seen it far enough through, but I recognize that there seem, there's coming a shift and I move away from the term failure into, you know, this was a chapter, a part of my career, and it has led to so many incredible things. And does that lead to where I go next? And so I'm trying to change that shift in perspective. When I, I went and saw a therapist, when my marriage was clear that it was coming to its end, my ex-husband and I, we went and saw a therapist and I had a conversation with her and I talked about my marriage failing. And she came back at me like failure. That's quite an interesting term to use when talking about your marriage ending. And I thought, well, what other word is there? I don't, I don't know. Like, isn't that the proper term? And so I've thought a lot about that and why I think about, you know, if I choose to go a different direction or close my business or whatever, um, that it didn't fail. It has brought so much to me. So really working on changing that perception and that idea of this was just a chapter of my professional career and where might I go after, after, you know, what it's taught me, what it's brought to my life and how it's changed me along the way. 
So I'm a little bit in that space. I, I don't think I'm quite there, but 2024 will be interesting. You know, I made a little bit of a shift in my business this year. I, I don't know if it was the right direction, but it, it's where I am now. And I'm trying to move away from that term failure. Ooh, thank you. Thanks for sharing. Um, and thanks for basically saying out loud thoughts that I've had over and over and over again in my own mind since I started this. And our timelines are a little bit different, but for all intents and purposes, start a business, worldwide pandemic happens, <laughs> everything's on the table, nothing's on the table, not, who who knows, right? And for both you and I, I remember connecting at that time, really thinking, I just want to have a business at the end of this. And and here we both are, which in itself is a great accomplishment and something worth celebrating, but we are not the same. We have changed, not just for the pandemic, but all of the time and the experience that's gone by. And when I think about my view of failure in the very beginning, it was what you just talked about. It was the, what will other people think when I have to go to my LinkedIn profile and end this portion of my employment and start another traditional full-time corporate role? What, what story can I tell about that that makes it sound good and positive and not, not a failure, just as a, a stop along the way, which is what all of our experiences are. And I've had corporate roles that one might define as a failure, frankly. And so it's wild, the meaning we assign to self-employment or independent contractor work or entrepreneurship or freelancing, whatever category you want to put us in, it's a risk and it's learning and it's growth, but it also comes with what feels like an extra set of eyeballs looking over mm -hmm. your shoulder, like, hmm, how's this going to go? What perspective is showing me is a couple things, and I wonder how how you would relate. We have a very messed up notion of timing in success in owning and building a small business. It is not six months. It is not 18 months. Bless the people who are able to pull in seven figures in you know six months, leave corporate and replace their corporate income overnight. Of course, it happens. That was not my experience. And I didn't see a lot of people talking about the truth of, I set a boundary for myself. I said that I was going to go X amount of time without steady revenue, or I was going to go X amount living off of savings, or I was going to go X amount without whatever that boundary is. And then when you're at the moment where you have to decide, am I done or am I going to keep going? I didn't see a lot of people in my LinkedIn feed talking about that reality and the loneliness that comes from betting on yourself and believing in yourself, but also having all these external forces saying, you're not doing it right. You're not doing it fast enough. It's not happening the way that the, the textbooks or the leadership books or the entrepreneurship books tell you it should. And I will never be on the other side of it, but I can breathe now in my business. But it wasn't that long ago that I felt like even years in that I was still making a colossal mistake and that missing out on all the things that come from traditional nine to five employment that somehow I was setting myself up in the long term for a different kind of failure, which was working till I'm 105 and being, you know, strapped with debt and all of these sort of stories I had told myself about what that looks like. I know now, I believe now, and this is the work, right? When you talk about redefining failure and looking internally, and that is, it's not reading a book. It's not making more money. It's not having more clients or your phone ringing off the hook. It's not, it's from 
the deepest part of your belly and the belief in yourself and also redefining what's enough. Thank you for saying that word. Yeah. That is a big word for me right now. Yeah. What does that mean to you? Tell me about that. I struggle with wanting more because I have enough. Why do I want more? What do I need more for? I have enough and I have an incredible life. I have wonderful people in it. I love where I live. I'm able to travel and I have enough and it's not all about money. And I think it's really hard to move away from the financial aspect of things. I'm 45. So I've been dealing with thinking about money since I was probably at least 15, probably before that, but budgeting, saving, earning. So 30 years, everything's kind of been about money. And it was such a a way to gauge how far you've come in life, mm-hmm. where you've come. You know, I, I think about what I made when I first got out of college and how long it took me to reach certain milestones. And so it's really hard to move away from that. But you take a step back and you look at my life and I make very little money. And yet my life is so full and I am so happy. And so I I get a little confused with myself or I start to question if I do want to make a change, how much of that is about money and what does that mean and the, or the scarcity of it and is that are my thoughts just about fear I mean I've, I've made it this far with very little money and if anything my life has just grown exponentially so yeah what is enough I have enough so what's the problem mm. I don't know I think sometimes you know if you would have asked me six seven years ago I had a list of everything I wanted to achieve and I made it And there's a part of me that really struggles on putting that next five-year plan together because it means maybe things have changed a little bit for me. And I have to remind myself that change is not a bad thing. We are constantly evolving. We are different people and our wants and needs can evolve and change along with that. And that's okay. You know, it's choice, agency, super, that's, that's the superpower that we all have. And you know, not getting too caught up in why are things changing and just accepting that things are changing. My my desires are changing or, you know, what I once wanted is different because I'm different and that's okay. Yeah. Um, this is, uh, I'm going to need to take a nap after we're done with this conversation because that's how I, I cope with heavy, heavy emotional things because you're making me think, you're making me think in real time about a lot of things that are really easy to compartmentalize and sort of tuck to the side because we're focused on the fire that's burning the hottest in front of us at any given time. But this is, I mean, this is the good stuff, literally, truly. I think you know this. I think I've shared this with you. I'm in a new relationship. And one of the things that we've talked a lot about are our core values as individuals and then as a couple what are we shooting for what is the what's the goal here in terms of creating a new life or a new existence that hasn't existed before and freedom is number one at the top of the list for both of us and I did not feel like I had freedom when I was working in a nine-to-five and that's not the fault of the nine-to-five but that is what I've created for myself is freedom but everything is an exchange. And I believe that. And we talk about money being freedom. But what's fascinating is that even in the 
bowels of building my business when far more was going out than was coming in, I still felt like I had more freedom than I did when I was making six figures plus. And so I don't know that I agree with that. And one of the things that as someone who has spent her whole life, and I've talked about my journey with anxiety, if you will, is control and the need and the feeling of control and, and wanting to have it at practically any cost. And knowing that for much of my life, I lived in 10-year increments out into the future, planning for a life that frankly never, never materialized, going back to when I was dating and getting married and then planning a life with my ex-husband and and just making all of these plans for a life that never came into fruition, my decision to sell my home and all my stuff and start traveling was like jumping off the deep end or jumping. I mean, it was the jumping. most radical. Yeah. Jumping. I love that to use your word. And the only, I needed my back against the wall. I needed to have no plan and no sense of what was going on and what was going to happen in order to regain or to recalibrate that very unhealthy relationship with control because it was paralyzing in the moments when I wanted to make a different choice, I didn't trust myself enough to make a different choice. And so when we think about this notion of failure, the last five years for me, six or seven, if you include time off and a selfish sabbatical or a year of fun employment or whatever you want to call it, that's what I've built. That's what I've created as a sense of trust of myself and my decision-making and that whatever it is, I'll figure it out. And I didn't have that when I started this. And so I don't know how anyone could define what you and I have accomplished over the last handful of years as any sort of failure. I mean, and I'm saying that partly to myself, a little internal coaching, but it's really powerful, I think, to say that out loud and to honor that we value success monetarily in our society, in our culture. We value physical possessions and bigger homes and nicer cars and more, more, more. And yet here you and I are more aligned um, and, and for me, I can't speak for you, but living, I'll say more authentically, although that's an overused term right now, but I don't have to edit myself in my work. I don't, I don't, I choose projects and work that feels right for me and allows me to do meaningful work and show up differently than I ever could have before. And so it's an exchange and that was a big, long rambling share, but I've got a lot of, there's a lot cooking in my little brain about this. You've got me thinking about some things. Free, you know, just like success means different things, so does freedom. And freedom and flexibility is what I traded money for. Yeah. It's interesting that that's what came about. And and it's interesting because people will say money buys you freedom. Mm -hmm. But on the flip side, money might keep you from being free if you've got to be somewhere every day and make sure you have enough to pay certain bills. I mean, it keeps you strapped at the same time. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's interesting. Yeah. And also recognizing you and I are having this conversation in a bit of a vacuum in a bit of a bubble because we've both come from different backgrounds, but with similar opportunity and, and also a sense of, I'll just say certainty. We know what we're talking about. We know what we're doing. We're highly employable. If at any time we wanted to jump ship and go, quote unquote, back to the offer, you know, back to nine to five, we could do that. We're highly networked. We're capable. We're competent. Not everybody's in that position. And I've said it before, this industry can be very lucrative. It isn't for everyone, but it can be. And so there's a lot of people, my phone, my DMs pretty regularly with women that are like, what am I doing here? What am I doing? And often it comes back to 
they've created a life that they don't want to change in order for the exchange of freedom. And that's their choice, right? If you if you want to continue earning what you earn and having access to the things you have access to, then that's a choice. I chose to jump ship and see what would happen, knowing full well that I could go back and probably not not miss a beat in art. I mean, I think arguably we're more employable because of what we've what we've learned and how the exposure we've created for ourselves and the networks that we've built doing what we're doing now. So mm, there's a question here and I'm going to figure out what's going to start. Words are going to start coming out my, out of my mouth and we're going to make them make sense. So when you don't know what's next, but you know that something is coming, change is coming, where what do you do with that? I think you embrace it. There are no right or wrong choices. There are just choices. And we're always just innately going to make the best of them. And it's going to lead to the next choice and the next one. And life is going to go on and things will be great because you have the power to make them. You made me think about being comfortable, our comfort zone. Someone told me, probably in college, they said, the only way to move up in life is to get uncomfortable. And that was 20 plus years ago. And it stuck with me, but I don't think I knew how to use it at the time. And practicing being uncomfortable now has made uncertainty so much easier for me. You know, you talk about what makes you scared, what is uncertainty. I, I think fear is tightly wound in there. Those are guides for me. Uh, my yoga teacher used to say, uh, sit down next to fear and make friends with it. Mm. And the first time, the second time, the third time, it's really hard. But as you start to live a life that is authentic and true and honest, you will see these as opportunities to push through what's comfortable. And it's always amazing on the other side because you'll make it amazing and it only gets easier. At least it has for me. Yeah. Well, because I think we're, we're so often looking for proof and I won't say as women, but you know, that's my experience. It's that we want to know we're 80% ready before we take the leap. And so we're constantly looking around for proof that we can do hard things and it's going to work out in our favor. And I mean, I, I don't, I assume you can relate. There are moments when I'm things are not going your way. I'm thinking about heartbreak and job misalignment, bad bosses, not great coworkers, frustrating, mm -hmm. all of those moments in time. And you're like, is it always going to feel this way? Is it always going to be this hard? Is the climb always going to be uphill with the wind not in my favor? And the answer is sometimes. And even now I've worked intentionally, you've worked intentionally to create a life that you want to live and not that you want to escape from. And I think that's beautiful, but it's not perfect. Literally right now, I'm in the process of trying to change my residency from Illinois to another state. And my goodness, you would think it is such a process and it is so much red tape and bureaucracy and paperwork. And so living this way, though, I don't have a house and a lawn to mow and a, you know, all the things that come with homeownership there's a whole other set of challenges and frustrations that come with life. And I don't think we're ever going to outrun that or escape them. It's just, 
uh, I don't want to say how bad do you want it, but how to the comfort thing. I mean, I, I don't consider myself a risk taker, but evidence would prove otherwise. But if people could yeah. see what is going on in my brain and physiologically in my body when I'm making decisions, it's not pretty and it's not clean and it's not easy. And there is a lot of negative self-talk and a lot of coaching and a lot of using my own tools and toolbox to help me through those moments. But there's also a lot of darn proof that it's going to be okay. It's going to be what it's going to be. Like, let's just be practical. It's not always going to be okay. And it's one of the things I think about a lot now, we are both 45, um, knock on wood, I'm healthy, but health insurance for solopreneurs in America is it's not great. Let's just put it that way. We're recording this. It's open enrollment and I'm having to make some choices. And part of changing my residency is changing my doctors and the way that I access medical care. And as a healthy individual, okay. If I'm not a healthy individual, that's a whole other story. And so there's a, yes, I'm living in the moment, but there's also a reason that we stay rooted in community. There is a reason for these things. And so I don't know. I don't know what the right answer is and I won't know until I keep going, but there's a lot that I do think about, even though life looks pretty simple on the outside. It's interesting you bring up health insurance. That um, I can absolutely relate to the shift in that I've, for the, you know, since I can remember, I had employer-sponsored health insurance and it was always great and I always used it without a second thought. Yep. <laughs> um, I have canceled MRIs, doctor's appointments, because I am so fearful of what it's going to cost when all is said and done. Um, I wait months to go. It's, wow, talk about adulting. Talk about life. You know, you talked about the climb. I like to think about life as the ocean and the waves and just the ups and downs. And life doesn't get easier as you get older, but we get better at riding the waves. You know, um, it's not always up. It's not going to stay down, but you just got to keep going. And again, you just, the subsequence of choices, you know, even if things, you know, maybe we have to shift again, like it's just, it's another choice and we make the most of it until the next choice presents itself. But yeah, health insurance. I just switched to an HMO for the first mm -hmm. time in my life. <laughs> and I'm trying to get out of mine because it's brutal. It's brutal. And you know, hey, let's just throw it out there. 45 uh, PSA, time for a colonoscopy, which uh, I'm also um, in the high risk category for breast cancer. So in between my well woman exam and two, two different sorts of mammograms, now I'm adding the colonoscopy into the mix. And doctors are in Illinois. And so in order to get my colonoscopy, it would have involved a flight to Chicago and just a lot of logistics. I went round and round with my doctor and I just finally was begging and pleading, could I do Cologuard, which is an alternative, an at-home alternative. And, and she was adamant that I come in and we do the full procedure. And I said, listen, this is what I have available right now. And it was a moment. Now it, it's back. It's fine. Like there's nothing, everything's fine, but I understand the guidance, but I also understand that we do have to advocate for ourselves and what we need and what works for us right now. And the guidance is great. And I believe it. And I've always been very proactive and very, you know, all about preventative care, but knowing that it comes with such an inconvenience and such a cost, we do have to think about these things differently. And I, I joke, it's not a joke though. Someday 
when I've got the time and resources and I'm I'm at that point in my career, I will solve the health insurance for female founders in the first three years of business problem because it's a problem. If you don't have a partner or a spouse from whom you can access health insurance benefits, it's the number one reason why when women reach out to me, it's what they're worried about. What about health insurance? What about health insurance? And my response is it's not great. The options are not great. It's just you weigh the old pros and cons, the pros and cons. And for me, once I made the call and I picked the plan and I wrote the check, the ball was rolling and it's, it's a pain and it's not great, but it, 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 it is, is what, what it is, is right? <laughs> like, I hate to say that, but mm-hmm. it is. And that's, that's the deal. That's the game we're playing. And those are, those are the rules these days. So it's, it's frustrating. And I do, I do worry. I don't lose sleep. It's not debilitating, but I do think about if my health were to change, what would that mean for, you know, for all of this? So I think I appreciate you being so real and so raw with me and just validating which is what happens on this podcast all the time, that I am not alone. And that if a woman out there is listening right now and she's ready to pull her last graying hair out of her head because she's so frustrated or annoyed or misaligned in her current position, if you're thinking these things, you're not wrong to think them. I feel like we've been able to get a little glimpse into the minds of of women doing their own thing. And I don't know that we get to do that very often. So um, thank you for being so generous. Thank you. It was an honor to be invited and conversations with you are always amazing. Mm. And uh, thank you for the opportunity to put myself out there and open up because I know it will encourage others to do the same. And then, and then again, and again, and then again, and again, right. And it continues rolling, which is one of the cool things about, about this podcast. I never get tired of the DMS or the messages months later, or even years later. And people are like, Oh, I listened to that episode. And you know, we record new ones and there's always something new and you kind of forget what a gift the archives can be. And I'm glad that this is going to be going to be out there. Um, Let's do this. So Jen Urso was a guest on this season and she's also like you and I, an industry gal doing her own thing. And I asked her the question and I'll ask you putting you on the spot. What is a little nugget of wisdom that you would share with your younger self? Raise your hand. I get out there. Don't be afraid to speak up, to ask questions, make, just put yourself out there. Uh, Don't be shy. Don't Mm -hmm. hide. It's taken a long time for me to realize and look back how hard that is for me today because I never did it when I was younger. Yeah. I feel that. I feel Mm -hmm. that. And maybe another layer to that. I wish that we could see ourselves the way that other people see us and our capabilities and our gifts and how we resist that and we diminish that. And yet it's always been there and how many people are rooting for us and cheering for our success. And yet, I don't know about you, but I think they're all on the sidelines, like booing me under their breath and wanting me to fail. Um, I don't think that that's true, but it's wild. It is wild, this journey. Mm. Thanks for being on it with me, my friend. You are the best and I will see you soon. Okay. You've been listening to Bound and Determined, a podcast supporting the women in insurance, just like you and me. The podcast is presented by Adjunct Advisors, LLC, the quirky insurance consulting firm with the name no one can pronounce (laughs) that I founded in 2018 after a profound experience with burnout. 
This year marks my 24th in the insurance industry and my 45th in life. I leverage lessons learned in both in all of the work I do today. Sprinkle on top a little humility, a lot of humanity, and voila, here we are. The best way to stay up to date is via the monthly newsletter I curate called To Taking the Risk. You can learn more about the newsletter as well as the work I do at adjunctadvisors.com. Thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. And thanks as always for coming back. I'll see you next time.